Good day. I'm Mark Bernstein, and welcome to Founders Forum. I am here with my co-host, Ange Honorado. I'll tell you about her in a second. The reason I say good day is I don't know when you're listening to this. We are recording our first couple of shows. We will be live soon on the radio, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. on WWDBAM Talk 860 in, in Philadelphia. We are um, broadcasting from their beautiful offices in Ballack-Hinwood, and that will become relevant to our conversation today. And I just want to tell you a little bit about Ange Honorado. She and I met over the last year, and we found out we had a lot of common interests and some similarities and some overlaps and some diverse skills that we bring to the table in terms of the businesses that we do. And it, this, our initial interest morphed into doing the show together, so I'm very happy to have Ange with me today. Happy to have you here. And Ange is a business growth strategy and personal coach for action-oriented business owners, which very much intersects with a lot of my interests. And she is also a reinvention expert, which is something that very much resonates for me and something that we'll be referencing during the show at different times. Uh, we are here today with our probably our first guest in terms of uh, when these actually will hit radio land and ether land. Um, and his name is Kevin Michaels. And Kevin is a real estate developer. He's founder of Genesis Properties and CEO of Genesis Properties. And I, after this show, we are actually going to look at his development of, I guess, more or less a town center. He'll tell you about it in Balakinwood, right down the road. So very happy to have you here today, Kevin. How are you? I'm terrific. Thanks, Mark, for having me. My pleasure. And we usually thought, start with a thought of the day. And I was thinking about this, and because we're talking about the successes of entrepreneurs, sort of how they got where they are, and that's the intention of the show, talk about entrepreneurs, how they got where they are, um, where they are today, and where they're going in the future. So success is a theme that will run throughout. Um, we have another guest for our next show who has actually started a nonprofit and has successes in immeasurable ways beyond uh, financial. So success means a lot of different things to different people. Um, but I have a few quotes, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to bring these up, and I'd like to ask both of you which one resonates for you and what it means to you and how it might have impact your life or your business. Success is the good fortune that comes from aspiration, desperation, perspiration, and inspiration, even Esar. Success is more a function of consistent common sense than it is of genius. And wag, wang. Success is the child of audacity, Benjamin Disraeli. And which one do you like and why? Yeah, well, first, Mark, um, I wanted to thank you for, you know, inviting me to co-host the show with you. I think um, it's very exciting. We're going to have some really fantastic guests and, um, you know, on the topic, uh, topic of success, I mean, I think they all really resonate with me. Um, but I wanted just to kind of rewind for a quick second because I'm really captivated by our intro song. And uh, it, um, to me, it ties a lot into, it sounds like a uh, music I know that is warm, near and dear to your heart uh, called Should I, Your Song. And um, I think it talks a lot about um, things might be in terms of how businesses get created and, and the people that drive them. And, um, you know, from my perspective, you know, I think success is something that um, I think for a lot of our founders, I'm assuming, is really about 
doing the work because there's a, a part that resonates inside of you and then, you know, the, the success is sort of a future-looking um, perspective. So um, for me, I, I think it's about the journey and I'm excited to, to talk today to our guest and, and see what, what, you know, brought you here today and what success looks like for you. Thanks so much. Kevin, how about you? Did any of those? Uh, Can you repeat the first one again? Sure. Success is the good fortune that comes from aspiration, desperation, perspiration, and inspiration. So a couple of them resonate with me, but uh, I'll, I'll simplify the first one and, and, and say inspiration and perspiration. Um, as, as the CEO, founder, um, and the visionary of the company, um, my, my staff and team look for me for the inspiration. Uh, and I think it's one of the gifts that I've been given uh, that I've learned in, uh, over the years, uh, which I think is, is key to anybody's success, is figuring out what you're good at and, and, and doing it and pursuing it. Uh, and I'm great at uh, creating vision and, and getting people to follow me uh, in that direction. Uh, and then it, the hard work has to happen, and that's the perspiration part. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about one of my favorite books uh, a little bit later. Uh, it's difficult being an entrepreneur, uh, waking up each each morning and, and duking it out and slaying dragons and so forth, but it's also inspiring to do that, um, and I feel privileged to be in the position I'm in. Kevin, how did you get here? And I don't mean you drove down City Line Avenue. How did, how did I know you didn't start out as a real estate developer. Tell us a little bit about your story. A little bit of a circuitous route. Um, Graduated uh, with an accounting degree, passed the CPA exam, worked, worked ever so briefly with Ernst & Young. Uh, I realized I hated accounting and uh, pivoted, uh, ans answered a help wanted ad, remember those, uh, for a quote-unquote stockbroker uh, at Smith, Barney, Shearson, Lehman, Hutton, or whatever they were called at the time. This is back in 1993. Um, and was hired and worked for two financial advisors for a period of about 12 months in, in Chicago, which is where I grew up. Uh, I took a road trip with a couple of my friends uh, to the Badlands, Portland, Seattle, and San Francisco, landed in San Francisco and said, why am I living in Chicago? I'm moving out here. So I did uh, on a whim and uh, dot, dot, dot. This is 1994 in Silicon Valley. Uh, and this little craze began called uh, the dot-com boom. Netscape went public and the internet was born in front of my eyes. And my task was to deal with the C-suite uh, executives who had all, all of their eggs in one basket and try to convince them to diversify outside of that, which was uh, not a, a very easy task to do. Uh, one idea was they'd sell their Cisco stock and buy five other networking stocks. That, that's not diversification. Um, so we talked to, you know, probably a thousand entrepreneurs uh, and worked ultimately with 50. The other 950 uh, basically wouldn't take our medicine. And our deal was if you're going to work with us, you have to listen and pay it and, and follow our directions. Uh, or if you're not going to listen to us, go hurt yourself with somebody else. So that was a, an exciting and really exciting and fun, fun period. Uh, anybody with an idea and a couple nickels to rub together started a company. Um, and that was the, you know, the hotbed and the, the birth of the internet, um, which is obviously so commonplace today, but at the time was not commercialized and, uh, that's where it all began. So I rode that wave, uh, until 2005. I, I loved the business for seven years, grew tired of it for about five, realized that the entrepreneurs were having a lot more fun than I was. I was simply moving the money from one side of the table to the next. They were the folks that were actually creating the the wealth and the products and services 
uh, related. Um, so ultimately sold my business uh, and moved to Philadelphia, which is where my wife is from. Uh, I met her out in San Francisco and um, hired a life coach. Uh, hired a coach to say, what do I want to do when I grow up? And I guess I was mm, 35 at the time, making a career change, uh, throwing caution to the wind, and took six months off to figure out uh, what I wanted to be, uh, which was a really interesting time and a uh, challenging time and an inspiring time, but also that time where I learned to understand what I'm great at, what I'm excellent at, uh, and what I don't want to do. I think is equally important, uh, and ultimately uh, settled on real estate, uh, wound up, uh, I call it the confluence of art and finance, so I'm also a closet artist, love to paint, um, I do a lot of master studies, the Barnes Museum is, is my favorite museum in the world, and uh, we have the privilege of having it down the street, and um, so I get to make pretty, pretty projects that, that make money. Uh, ugly projects that make money, not interested. Uh, pretty projects that don't make money, bad business model. So uh, I have a financial background. Uh, I have this artistic side. You put the two of them together and I build beautiful apartment communities um, that, that make uh, strong returns for our investors. Great. So I, you, you sparked something. We were talking earlier today about, so um, I, I, I was listening this morning to a, um, a, an auto, a book on audibly on audible um, the almanac of Naval um, Ravikant I don't know if you're familiar with him but he's this I think he's about 48 year old entrepreneur investor who has done everything sort of outside the box and tremendously successful in a lot of areas and a huge influence and he's a podcaster and all these kind of things and a guy named Eric Jorgensen put together his thoughts as like kind of his approved almanac and the nice thing about it is he said, don't take any of this at face value. You can interpret it however you want, and you're going to misconstrue it, and you can change it around because it's like rapid-fire thoughts coming out. And one of the ones that hit me is he talked about the importance of compound interest. Mm -hmm. And obviously that means something to you and I about it from a financial point of view, and that's obviously one way of I think Einstein interest. called it the eighth wonder of the world. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. I'm familiar with that as well. But he talked about compounding interest and the way I interpreted what he said as compounding your interests, you know, mm. not just your interests. Mm. And you mentioned one of them, your interest in art. Yeah. So if you had – and he said generally, you know, it takes time and you used a life coach and you tried to figure out what it was you were looking for. And I know I've gone through a lot of that, those same kind of things over my life. And as an example, I found out the two things that kind of drive me to the things I do on a daily basis are curiosity – yeah. I was always curious from a young age. And the other thing was the sound of music in my ears. Yeah. You know, that we've talked, Ange mentioned, you know, that I'm surrounded by music. We're, we're both, um, Bruce Springsteen was just in town, and we're both fans of his music and like music. And, and um, you know, there's always, it's always going through my head. And, it, and I started to realize how much it influences everything I do, the rhythm of things, all kinds of things. So if you had to look at your, your most present compound interest items, what would you say they are? I love art. I love collecting. I love painting. Um, I run marathons. I do triathlons. Um, I'm a freak about health and wellness. Um, I, I love architecture. Uh, I love music. Uh, I love reading. 
Um, so my challenge is I just need more hours in the day to do it all. Uh, and I love the word curiosity. Uh, I would say it's top three, if not number one, quality that I look for when I'm hiring is somebody that's insatiably curious, um, who's always challenging the norm or questioning the norm. My, my sweet daughter is, is insatiably curious, and uh, I've, I've learned more from her than, than I've learned from, from many adults. Well, I know you're curious because of one of the other things you do, because you're chair of a Tiger 21 group. That's right. Do you want to mention that for a second? Sure. Tiger 21 is a peer-to-peer learning network for ultra-high net worth uh, entrepreneurs. These are folks that had material exits, life-changing exits, uh, and have taken a pause to say, what do I want to do next? Uh, So they're out of the grind if they want to. They're in the grind if they want to, but they're working because they want to stay perhaps relevant or or, uh, create uh, products and solutions, uh, not necessarily because they have to. We get together on a monthly basis, and it's a safe, confidential uh, learning environment for these folks to be able to do life together and to, to assemble, essentially, what becomes a personal board of directors for them. It's a fascinating kind of group. Kevin, we've talked about what got you here today. After our short break, we're going to talk about the future and where, how you're looking at that and where you, that might find you. Great. I love the Army. You just have this brotherhood that you can't find anywhere else. Since coming home from war, I've tried so many different things. I just remember thinking, like, it's over. After being forced to medically retire, Angie battled addiction to prescription medications, eventually losing her house and marriage. Then she found Wounded Warrior Project. And so I went online, I signed up, and I knew that Wounded Warrior Project was definitely my new community. One of the staff members, she put me in for peer mentor training. It was like for the first time someone recognized something good about me and thought that I had something to give back to someone else. Are you doing okay otherwise? I've kind of picked up woodworking with my grandfather, so. I saw the 3D stuff. All those activities gave me a new way to live without drugs, a new way to live without feeling like I'm broken. You can live a meaningful life after traumatic experiences. You wouldn't go into battle alone. You don't have to fight this alone. Visit woundedwarriorproject.org slash not alone. Hi, we're back with Founders Forum. We're here today with Kevin Michaels, and uh, we've been talking about what got you to where you are today, and you mentioned the idea of life coaching, and we're going to transition to talking about your future, and uh, Ange loves to talk about reinvention, and I think that's relevant to all of us. We've all had some conversation around that, and I think, Ange, you have a a question for Kevin around that. Yeah, I'm very curious on that topic as well, uh, just about innate curiosity. But I don't think a lot of people realize how important that when you are an entrepreneur, that having that coaching on the outside, helping bring different visions to light or helping even entrepreneurs process through what they do with their business, but what does happen as a next step. So I'm curious about, you know, how you came to at 35, what prompted you to, to hire a life coach and how did that impact what you've done now in creating Tiger 21 and giving that back to other entrepreneurs? Sure. Um, I've, I've had coaches, multiple coaches along the way, and I, I have somebody else uh, right now that I'm, I'm using that's helped me on a partner level, uh, partner level relations. Um, I've, I, I guess I've, I've done enough therapy as well. 
uh, all of which I find very helpful to learn haven't, about. Haven't we all? Haven't we all? Mm-hmm. Um, learning who I am. Uh, strange, strange question, but uh, who am I? What am I great at? Uh, what do I love to do? What do I stand for? What are my principles? What are my values? Uh, you know, the old adage is climbing the ladder uh, on a building and you get to the top of it and realize you're on the wrong building. I don't want to do that. And at 35, it was a great opportunity to, to hit the pause button and say, that was a fun run. I stumbled into that through happenstance, through answering a help wanted ad. Um, fortunately, I enjoyed it. And I also learned what one thing that I was great at was uh, convincing people to, to trust me. I was great at building those types of relationships. Uh, and that served me well in, in various other capacities. Um, but hiring that coach was a just a helpful sounding board to have her draw me out and say, um, you know, what do you, what are you good at? What do you what do you want to do? Um, looking at literally the the world is my oyster. What is going to be my next my next phase? And fortunately, given twelve years in in Silicon Valley and being around entrepreneurs, really. Uh, became an itch that I wanted to scratch and, and start my own thing. I worked at, at Citigroup and Merrill Lynch, which are two behemoth companies. I got to build a practice within that, but clearly uh, my name wasn't Citigroup or, or Mr. Merrill. Um, so uh, making that shift into real estate, uh, which I've always had a passion for, was a big deal. I left this out. I wound up working for a developer for five years and learning on his dime and his time. Um, before I started uh, Cross Properties, which has now morphed into Genesis Properties. And there we invested $500 million into apartments, including, as Mark pointed out, what we did in, in Balakinwood. So, Kevin, uh, you met, back to Tiger 21 for a second. So you're, I guess, facilitator, moderator more so than coach. Yeah. But I imagine there is some coaching involved in that as well. Yeah. Um, what, how, do, how would you describe your you know, the, the, the move, you're still getting coached as, as you know, many, most coaches are, but are you, if not all, but um, how do you see your role as a coach in life, both in your company and in Tiger 21? In Tiger 21, we have uh, 15 members and interesting anecdote. Um, recently a member uh, presented his, his 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 life his life story uh, who he was the uh, the entrepreneur that he was how he created his business and uh, he had a, a very very significant exit uh, and the three or four questions that he ended his presentation with that he shared with the group that he wanted feedback from the group all surrounded around marriage you know when when I uh, uh, when I didn't have money, my, my wife was concerned about having money. Now that we have money, she's concerned about losing the money. And it had nothing to do with how many commas and zeros. It was much more of the soft side of, of uh, figuring life out with wealth, either with it or, or without it. So regardless of, of the size of somebody's balance sheet, I, I think we still have the same, I guess it's Maslow's hierarchies to, to, to satisfy. So I sit in a privilege, pretty privileged position to draw those people out to really get to the fundamental questions that they have burning in their, in their heart that transcend, should I buy this stock uh, or how do I save another nickel on taxes? Um, and it's really a, a soft skill. It's really emotional intelligence. Uh, and again, I think it's a skill set that I've, I've uh, developed and learned that I have innately and I desire to continue to sharpen those skills. You articulate that extremely well and um, it's meaningful work. You're, getting, you're really getting to the heart, heart of people and to the heart of the matter as well, like what's 
purpose, the, the important things, meaning of life. I think it's very yeah. meaningful, but I think you're also an advocate because we've heard so many stories of, you know, people spending their life trying to get the money, get the money, and it doesn't create their happiness. Right. You know, and so I think you're a great advocate for this because it's, uh, it's, it's an important aspect of business that I don't think gets talked about enough. Great book plug, uh, The Psychology of Money uh, by Morgan Housel. Uh, really talks about the inner workings of the mind and how it relates to uh, wealth, whether whether you have it or, or you're not. It's 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 a topic, uh, and it can warp the mind or, or do beautiful things. And, and it's a a great book that walks through that dance. Well, you and I have um, this is a little plug for my book. You and I have talked a little bit about um, what I I refer to as fiscal therapy and people's thoughts about money, the relationship with money. My book is called The Fiscal Therapy Solution 1.0 because it's not finished. And, um, and that was one of the influential books with me as well as yeah. w- while I was writing it and uh, as I discuss it. But I, 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 I believe that, um, I'll just give you a quick example, but somebody that's in your business that I know, longtime client who's got way more than enough money than he could ever possibly use. And he's thinking about the rest of his life, but we just during the pandemic we were having conversations about what, you know, what's important to you regarding money, and what do you think of when you think of your relationship with money? He says, you know, he says when I go into a restaurant, I have a really difficult time ordering the sides on the menu, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, why is that? He said, because I don't want to pay eleven dollars for asparagus or right. whatever. Right. And we talked about it a lot. He's he since now orders the sides. He understands he can afford to do it, and there's no harm in really getting the sides. Um, Kevin, I want to shift real quickly to the, your future, and I like to ask questions. If there were, this were 10 years from today, so it's March of um, 2033, and you're looking back on the last 10 years, what would have to happen in your life, business and your life, for you to feel like that was a successful 10-year period? Uh, raising a, a real estate fund, it will allow me to $650 million worth of of new deal, uh, namely in the apartment space. And um, my, my, my hope 10 years from now is that uh, I'm in top three, if not the top developer in the city of Philadelphia, well, in the region of, of Philadelphia, uh, that we have a legacy of beautiful communities that we've built. Um, our, our why is to, to cultivate environments where people can flourish. Uh, and that is meaningful to me and it's meaningful to our team. Uh, we strive to uh, to achieve that on a, on a daily basis to, to create beautiful communities for people to live in and, and to create family and to create uh, meaning um, where they live. Um, so uh, the fund will allow me to have a fair amount of runway to be able to accomplish that goal. Um, I want to take care of my team. I want to take care of my staff uh, to have a, a beautiful environment where they can flourish uh, as well as our residents. If you had to name one obstacle in the way of that vision, the one thing you might have to overcome that could be in your way, what would that be? Well, I always say there's five five obstacles in the world of real estate development. Uh, you need to deliver it on time, on budget. You need to be able to hit your pro forma income and your pro forma expenses. So those are four things that I have within my control uh, and influence. The one thing I don't have control over are the capital markets. Uh, and we've seen that over the last 12 months, how interest rates have gone from 3% to 6% has had uh, a pretty dramatic impact on, on the economy. They're still trying to slow inflation. 
Um, but uh, the, the one big impact is is the wild card of, of where our capital market's going to be over the next decade, and your guess is as good as mine. Gotcha. Um, last question. Your, what music are you listening to? Let's have a little fun for a minute right now. I'm a big U2 fan. I, I, I listen to anything from, from country to rap to opera to, uh, to rock and roll, classic rock and roll, current rock and roll. My kids try to keep me current with the, uh, the hip new beats. Um, but uh, an oldie but a goodie that was just released was called, uh, it's called Songs of Surrender by U2, uh, which is a remaster of 40 of their songs over their 40-year career. Um, and as I shared with you, I'm, I'm kind of choking on it. Um, they've, they've stripped out all the instruments, and it's uh, Bono and the Edge singing uh, a cappella with a, with a folk guitar. And it feels a little loungy for me, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, with enough plays, uh, I'll come to love it as much as I have the rest of their music. Pretty cool. Well, with that, our closing theme, I've been told, has, sounds like it has a little bit of U2 influence. So thank you all for being here today. Uh, we hope that you'll see it. We'll see you again next week at Founders Forum and have a wonderful day. <laughs>